Section 26D of Pamela or Virtue Rewarded. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Pamela or Virtue Rewarded by Samuel Richardson. Section 26D. Said she, No, no, he'll then think that I make the creature my companion and know not how to part with her. I thought your ladyship, replied I, could not have taken exceptions at this message. Thou knowest nothing, wench, said she, of what belongs to people of condition. How shouldst thou? Nor thought I, do I desire it at this rate. What shall I say, madam? said I. Nothing at all, replied she. Let him expect his dearest love and be disappointed. It is but adding a few more hours, and he will make every one a day in his amorous account. Mrs. Jukes coming nearer me, and my lady walking about the room, being then at the end, I whispered, Let Robert stay at the elms. I'll have a struggle for it by and by. As much married as I, repeated she, the insolence of the creature. And so she walked about the room talking to herself, to her woman, and now and then to me. But seeing I could not please her, I thought I had better be silent. And then it was, Am I not worthy of an answer? If I speak, said I, your ladyship is angry at me, though ever so respectfully. If I do not, I cannot please. Would your ladyship tell me but how I shall oblige you, and I would do it with all my heart. Confess the truth, said she, that thou art an undone creature hast been in bed with thy master, and art sorry for it, and for the mischief thou hast occasioned between him and me, and then I'll pity thee, and persuade him to pack thee off with a hundred or two of guineas, and some honest farmer may take pity of thee, and patch up thy shame for the sake of the money, and if nobody will have thee, thou must vow penitence, and be as humble as I once thought thee." I was quite sick at heart at all this passionate extravagance, and to be hindered from being where was the desire of my soul, and afraid too of incurring my dear master's displeasure, and as I sat, I saw it was no hard matter to get out of the window into the front yard, the parlour being even with the yard, and so have a fair run for it, and after I had seen my lady at the other end of the room again in her walks, having not pulled down the sash, when I spoke to Mrs. Jukes, I got upon the seat, and whipped out in a minute, and ran away as hard as I could drive, my lady calling after me to return, and her woman at the other window. But two servants appearing at her crying out, and she bidding them to stop me, I said, Touch me at your peril, fellows! But their lady's commands would have prevailed on them, had not Mr. Colbrand, who it seems had been kindly ordered by Mrs. Jukes to be within call when she saw how I was treated, come up and put on one of his deadly fierce looks, the only time I thought it ever became him, and said he would chime the man, that was his word, who offered to touch his lady, and so he ran alongside of me, and I heard my lady say, The creature flies like a bird, and indeed Mr. Colbrand, with his huge strides, could hardly keep pace with me, and I never stopped till I got to the chariot, and Robert had got down, seeing me running at a distance, and held the door in his hand, with the step ready down, and in I jumped, without touching the step, saying, 
Drive me, drive me as fast as you can, out of my lady's reach. And he mounted, and Colbrand said, Don't be frightened, madame, nobody shall hurt you, and shut the door, and away Robert drove. But I was quite out of breath, and did not recover it, and my fright, all the way. Mr. Colbrand was so kind, but I did not know it till the chariot stopped at Sir Simon's, to step up behind the carriage, lest, as he said, my lady should send after me, and he told Mrs. Jukes, when he got home, that he never saw such a runner as me in his life. When the chariot stopped, which was not till six o'clock, so long did this cruel lady keep me, Miss Darnford ran out to me. Oh, madame, said she, ten times welcome. But you'll be beat, I can tell you, for here has been Mr. B. come these two hours, and is very angry with you. That's hard indeed, said I, indeed I can't afford it for I hardly knew what I said, having not recovered my fright. Let me sit down, miss, anywhere, said I, for I have been sadly off. So I sat down, and was quite sick with the hurry of my spirits, and leaned upon her arm. Said she, Your lord and master came in very moody, and when he had stayed an hour, and you not come, he began to fret, and said he did not expect so little complaisance from you and he has now sat down with great persuasion to a game at loo. Come, you must make your appearance, Lady Fair, for he is too sullen to attend you, I doubt. You have no strangers, have you, miss? said I. Only two women relations from Stanford, replied she, and a humble servant of one of them. Only all the world, miss, said I. What shall I do if he be angry? I can't bear that just as I had said so, came in Lady Darnford and Lady Jones to chide me, as they said, for not coming sooner. And before I could speak, came in my dear master. I ran to him. How do ye, Pamela? said he, and saluting me with a little more formality than I could well bear. I expected half a word from me, when I was so complacent to your choice, would have determined you, and that you'd have been here to dinner and the rather as I made my request a reasonable one, and what I thought would be agreeable to you. Oh, dear sir, said I, pray, pray, hear me, and you'll pity me, and not be displeased. Mrs. Jukes will tell you that as soon as I had your kind comments, I said I would obey you, and come to dinner with these good ladies, and so prepared myself instantly, with all the pleasure in the world. Lady Darnford and Miss said I was their dear, Look you, said Miss, did I not tell you, stately one, that something must have happened? But, oh, these tyrants, these men! Why, what hindered it, my dear? said he. Give yourself time, you seem out of breath. Oh, sir, said I, out of breath, well I may, for just as I was ready to come away, who should drive into the courtyard but Lady Davers? Lady Davers? Nay, then, my sweet dear, said he, and saluted me more tenderly, hast thou had a worse trial than I wish thee from one of the haughtiest women in England, though my sister? For she, too, my Pamela, was spoiled by my good mother. But have you seen her? Yes, sir, said I, and more than seen her. Why, sure, said he, she has not had the insolence to strike my girl. Sir, said I, but tell me you forgive me, 
for indeed I could not come sooner, and these good ladies but excuse me, and I'll tell you all another time, for to take up the good company's attention now will spoil their pleasantry, and be to them, though more important to me, like the broken china you cautioned me about. That's a dear girl, said he. I see my hints are not thrown away upon you, and I beg pardon for being angry with you, and for the future will stay till I hear your defense before I judge you. Said Miss Darnford, This is a little better. To own a fault is some reparation, and what every lordly husband will not do. He said, But tell me, my dear, did Lady Davers offer you any incivility? Oh, sir, replied I, she is your sister, and I must not tell you all, but she has used me very severely. Did you tell her, said he, you were married? Yes, sir, I did at last, but she will have it tis a sham marriage, and that I am a vile creature, and she was ready to beat me when I said so, for she could not have patience that I should be deemed her sister as she said. How unlucky it was, replied he, I was not at home. Why did you not send to me here? Send, sir? I was kept prisoner by force. They would not let me stir, or do you think I would have been hindered from obeying you? Nay, I told them that I had a pre-engagement, but she ridiculed me and said, waiting maids talk of pre-engagements, and then I showed her your kind letter, and she made a thousand remarks upon it, and made me wish I had not. In short, whatever I could do or say, there was no pleasing her, and I was a creature and wench, and all that was not. But you must not be angry with her on my account. Well, but, said he, I suppose she hardly asked you to dine with her, for she came before dinner, I presume, if it was soon after you had received my letter. No, sir, dine with my lady, no, indeed. Why, she would make me wait at table upon her, with her woman, because she would not expose herself and me before the men-servants, which you know, sir, was very good of her ladyship. Well, said he, but did you wait upon her? Would you have had me, sir? said I. Only, Pamela, replied he, if you did, and knew not what belonged to your character as my wife, I shall be very angry with you. Sir, said I, I did not, but refused it, out of consideration to the dignity you have raised me to. Else, sir, I could have waited on my knees upon your sister. Now, said he, you confirm my opinion of your prudence and judgment. She is an insolent woman, and shall dearly repent it. But, sir, she is to be excused, because she won't believe I am indeed married. So don't be too angry at her ladyship. He said, Ladies, pray don't let us keep you from the company. I'll only ask a question or two more, and attend you. Said Lady Jones, I so much long to hear this story of poor Madame's persecution, that, if it is not improper, I should be glad to stay. Miss Darnford would stay for the same reason, my master saying he had no secrets to ask, and that it was kind of them to interest themselves in my grievances but Lady Darnford went into the company, and told them the cause of my detention, for it seems my dear master loved me too well to keep to himself the disappointment my not being here to receive him was to him. And they had all given the two Mrs. Burroughs and Mr. Perry, the Stamford guests, 
such a character of me, that they said they were impatient to see me. Said my master, But, Pamela, you said they and them. Who had my sister with her besides her woman? Her nephew, sir, and three footmen on horseback, and she and her woman were in her chariot and six. That's a sad coxcomb, said he. How did he behave to you? Not extraordinarily, sir, but I should not complain, for I was even with him, because I thought I ought not to bear with him as with my lady. By heaven, said he, if I knew he behaved unhandsomely to my jewel, I'd send him home to his uncle without his ears. Indeed, sir, returned I, I was as hard upon him as he was upon me. Said he, tis kind to say so but I believe I shall make them dearly repent their visit if I find their behavior to call for my resentment. But sure, my dear, you might have got away when you went to your own dinner? Indeed, sir, said I, her ladyship locked me in and would not let me stir. So you hadn't ate any dinner? No, indeed, sir, nor had a stomach for any. My poor dear, said he, but then how got you away at last? Oh, sir, replied I, I jumped out of the parlor window and ran away to the chariot which had waited for me several hours by the elm walk from the time of my lady's coming, for I was just going as I said, and Mr. Colbrand conducted me through her servants, whom she called to to stop me, and was so kind to step behind the chariot unknown to me and saw me safe here. I'm sure, said he, these insolent creatures must have treated you vilely. But tell me, what part did Mrs. Jukes act in this affair? A very kind part, sir, said I, in my behalf, and I shall thank her for it. Sweet creature, said he, thou lovest to speak well of everybody, but I hope she deserves it, for she knew you were married. But come, we'll now join the company and try to forget all you have suffered for two or three hours, that we may not tire the company with our concerns, and resume the subject as we go home. And you shall find I will do you justice as I ought. But you forgive me, sir, said I, and are not angry? Forgive you, my dear, returned he. I hope you forgive me. I shall never make you satisfaction for what you have suffered from me and for me. And with those words he led me into the company. He very kindly presented me to the two stranger ladies, and the gentlemen, and them to me, and Sir Simon, who was at cards, rose from table and saluted me. Adad, madame, said he, I'm glad to see you here. What, it seems you have been a prisoner. Twas well you was, or your spouse and I should have sat in judgment upon you, and condemned you to a fearful punishment for your first crime of lasse majestatis. I had this explained to me afterwards as a sort of treason against my liege lord and husband. For we husbands hereabouts, said he, are resolved to turn over a new leaf with our wives, and your lord and master shall show us the way, I can tell you that. But I see by your eyes, my sweet culprit, added he, and your complexion, you have had sour sauce to your sweet meat. Miss Darnford said, I think we are obliged to our sweet guest at last, for she was forced to jump out at a window to come to us. Indeed, said Mrs. Peters, and my master's back being turned, says she, 
Lady Davers, when a maiden, was always vastly passionate, but a very good lady when her passion was over, and she'd make nothing of slapping her maids about and begging their pardons afterwards if they took it patiently, otherwise she used to say the creatures were even with her. Aye, said I, I have been a many creatures and wenches, and I know not what, for these were the names she gave me. And I thought I ought to act up to the part her dear brother has given me, and so I have but just escaped a good cuffing. Miss Burroughs said to her sister, as I overheard, but she did not design I should, What a sweet creature is this! And then she takes so little upon her, is so free, so easy, and owns the honor done her so obligingly. Said Mr. Perry softly, The loveliest person I ever saw. Who could have the heart to be angry with her one moment? Says Miss Darnford, Here, my dearest neighbor, these gentry are admiring you strangely, and Mr. Perry says you are the loveliest lady he ever saw, and he says it to his own mistress's face, too, I'll assure you. Or else, says Miss Burroughs, I should think he much flattered me. Oh, madame, you are exceedingly obliging, but your kind opinion ought to teach me humility and to reverence so generous a worth as can give a preference against yourself, where it is so little due. Indeed, madam, said Miss Nanny Burroughs, I love my sister well, but it would be a high compliment to any lady to be deemed worthy a second or third place after you. There is no answering such politeness, said I. I am sure Lady Davers was very cruel to keep me from such company. "'Twas our loss, madame,' says Miss Darnford. "'I'll allow it,' said I, "'in degree, for you have all been deprived several hours of an humble admirer.' Mr. Perry said, "'I never before saw so young a lady shine forth with such graces of mind and person.' "'Alas, sir,' said I, my master coming up, "'mine is but a borrowed shine like that of the moon.' Here is the sun to whose fervent glow of generosity I owe all the faint luster that your goodness is pleased to look upon with so much kind distinction. Mr. Perry was pleased to hold up his hands, and the ladies looked upon one another. And my master said, hearing part of the last sentence, What's the pretty subject that my Pamela is displaying so sweetly her talents upon? Oh, sir, said Mr. Perry, I will pronounce you the happiest man in England. And so said they all. My master said most generously, Thank ye, thank ye, thank ye all around, my dear friends. I know not your subject, but if you believe me so, for a single instance of this dear girl's goodness, what must I think myself, when blessed with a thousand instances, and experiencing it in every single act and word? I do assure you my Pamela's person, all lovely as you see it, is far short of her mind. That, indeed, first attracted my admiration, and made me her lover. But they were the beauties of her mind that made me her husband. And proud, my sweet dear, said he, pressing my hand, am I of that title. Well, said Mr. Perry, very kindly and politely, excellent as your lady is, I know not the gentleman that could deserve her, but that one who could say such just and such fine things. I was all abashed, and took Miss Darnford's hand, and said, Save me, dear Miss, by your sweet example, from my rising pride. 
but could I deserve half these kind things, what a happy creature should I be? Said Miss Darnford, You deserve them all, indeed you do. End of section 26D